My name is Yehudi Feldman. My wife Brenda and I will be continuing Mishlei from where Shani left off, beginning with chapter 11. As Shani pointed out, the major features of Mishlei, beginning with chapter 10, is parallel Pitkamim, and the ones from chapter 10 to about the end of chapter 15 are what are called antithetic parallelism, which means that the second half of the verse flips the first half. In other words, the first part says what Hashem doesn't like, and the second part says what He does like. Means the people who do Zadon end up with Cologne, the people who are Tznuim end up with Chachma. In other words, the second half of the verse opposes the first half. There are also going to be a Mishlei as we go along verses that show synonymous parallelism, which means the second half gives pretty much the message as the first. And finally, there's going to be what's called synthetic parallelism, where the second half is a continuation of the first. We will point out whenever something changes that the change is taking place. And now we're going to begin with verse 1 of chapter 11. From about verse 1 to about, I'd say, verse uh, 10, the primary uh, agenda is righteousness is the way a person should act, meaning that a person should always try to do the right thing. That does not mean they should try to become a sadiq, okay? What it means is they should choose to do the right thing, and Mishle tells you what happens if they don't. In Pasuk 1, the right thing is to keep true weights. The wrong thing is to keep crooked weights. He who keeps true weights, or she, is the person who pleases Hashem. That's what Ratzon means in the Tanakh. It doesn't mean will. It means pleasing. And those who keep false weights, meaning they have the intent to cheat their neighbors, Trumat Yisharim Tanchem, Veselef Bogdim Yishadem. The righteousness and the perfection and the integrity of people who try to go in a straight path will keep them there. In other words, the word yashar does not have to be repeated because it's understood. Whereas, let's say, in the beginning of verse 5, it's sidkat tamim tiyasher darko. But it means pretty much the same thing. Okay? Tumat yasharim tanchem equals sidkat tamim tiyasher darko. In other words, those people who choose to go in the right path Hashem will see to it that that's where they stay. Like David HaMelech in chapter 23, He leadeth me in straight paths for his name's sake. But Selef Bogdim Yishadim, Selef is from Kiha Shochad Ya'aver Enechachamim Visalef Devrei Tzadikim, meaning turns them upside down makes them go the exact 
opposite of the way they should go. When the bogate, that means the treacherous person, tries to turn things in a direction they shouldn't go, it leads him or her to ruin, meaning they will be robbed and despoiled of all their goods. And now, of course, comes one of the most famous psukim in all of Mishlei. Lo yo'il hon b'yom evra u'tzedakah tatzil mimavet. All the money in the world won't save you on a day of wrath or punishment or whatever. But tzedakah, meaning not charity. In the Tanakh, the word tzedakah never means giving alms to the poor. It always means righteous conduct. The meaning of giving alms to the poor is first seen in Qumran and was made mainstream by the Mishnah. But in the Tanakh, it never means that. It always means righteousness. But now we have a problem, which is, does righteousness really save people from death? We all know that people die whether they're righteous or not. So Targum Yonatan immediately tries to address this issue and says, Righteousness saves you from a shameful death, an untimely death, a painful death, whatever. But then our problem is, what did, what's the plain Pashup Shat in Mishle? What did Mishle mean when it said, That Mikras suggests that what it might mean is, Righteousness saves you from death rather than just severe punishment. In other words, if you do something really bad, man, if you've been righteous up to that time, then you'll get punished, but you won't get punished with death because your previous actions will hold a good record for you. I think that's probably what the shot of Mishle is. Sidkat Tamim Tiasher Darko Uberishato Ipo Rasha. Perfect example of antithetic parallelism. The person who goes in the righteous path, the person who tries to deal with others with integrity, is the person who's going to basically end up finding and reaching the goal and going in the straight path to get there. But the Russia is not going to get to the goal that the Russia wants to get to because that, before he gets there, the, the, the goal will itself be subverted by the way the Russia is behaving. So Rishato has is a double entendre. It's his wickedness, but it's also a punishment for his wickedness. The same in Pasuk Vav. Pretty much the same idea. The, the righteousness of the people who try to go on the same page will keep them from, it will save them from any bad outcome. Whereas the Bogdim, who are guilty of Hava, which in the Tanakh means uh, treacherousness, pride, what happens is they're going to get caught by their own treachery. Now, this is a similar, similar idea to the idea previously stated. Don't be surprised. Mishle is often going to repeat the same idea in different words. Remember, Mishle represents itself as an anthology of Proverbs. Shani pointed out that Perik Yud begins the second group. We're going 
going to have a third group in chapter 23 and still a fourth group in chapter 24 and still another group in chapter 25 and still another group in chapter 30 and still another group in chapter 31. So the what Mishnah is is an anthology of Proverbs from the first temple period. It could very well be that the editor placed Proverbs that had similar ideas next to other Proverbs with also similar ideas according to Chazal and Baba Batla, you know, Daf Yadalat, Ambet, and Tetbab Amanalaf, Chiskiyal Vesiatol, Archu, or Sidru, you know, Mishlei, which means that the final collection wasn't made until, or editing wasn't made till the time of Chiskiyal Melech, which is centuries after Shlomo. So obviously what we have here is a collection of Proverbs of which the first were written by Shlomo and others were written by people who came afterwards over a period of several centuries that represents essentially wisdom from the first temple period. So in this group you have different ways of saying similar ideas. Verse 7 is a synonymous parallelism. Bemot Adam Rasha Tovatikva, when the wicked man dies, all his hopes are lost. The Tochelet Onim Avada, and the hopes, what they look forward to, Onim here also comes from Aven. The wicked's hopes are lost forever. The next pasuk, Tzadik Mitzorot Nechalatz V'yavor Roshat Tachtav is antithetic again, but possibly made a continuation of verse 7 in a sense that the wicked go down and the Tzadik is somehow saved. Nechalatz means to pull someone out of a bad situation. You know, so the fundamental idea here goes back to verses four and five, which is that which meaning mitzara, not really mimavet. Okay, that's the way I think we should look at it. The hypocrite with his flattering tongue, according to that means But of course, it could bring destruction. Uvedat tzadikim yechaleitzu, but the tzadik can escape the flatterer or the hypocrite by being sensible enough to realize that the flatterer doesn't mean a word that they're saying. In other words, a person who's accustomed to doing things in a straight way doesn't take too long to realize when someone who's talking to him is cut of a different cloth than the tzaddik himself is. And that means that the tzaddik will realize that the other person is echad b'fevi, echad b'lev, and will act accordingly. B'tov tzaddikim ta'alot z'kirya uva'avot rishra'im rina. The second half of this pasuk is also quite famous. The pasuk means that when the righteous are showered with good things, then the city is jumping for joy. At the same time, when the Rishayim get what's coming to them, people also jump for joy. Now often you hear that it's not right for people to be joyous 
when the wicked get their deserved ends. I don't agree with that, and I don't think Jewish tradition agrees with that. I think Jewish tradition feels that the way to get rid of evil is to get rid of the people who do evil, to see to it that the people who do evil are behind bars or in some other place that they're unable to continue to do evil. In other words, you don't have to basically feel guilty if you are happy to hear that bin Laden has been killed or that Hitler committed suicide. You should feel happy that that happens because that means that the evil that they have done has been punished and hopefully will come to an end. Notice these two psalms have similar themes, which is what's good for the city and what's not. Keret is an Aramaic word which is often used in Tanakh to mean Kirya, or another word for city. It's a little bit more of a city in terms of size than, let's say, uh, ear would be. Carthage, which was a village fo- founded by Canaanin in the 8th century, um, very near Tunis, means in Punic, which is a language very similar to Biblical Hebrew, Keret Chadeshet, the new city. That was the city that they were setting up to replace the uh, city that they had before in Phoenicia. So, when Birkat Yisharim again means the reward for Yisharim, the bracha for people is health, wealth, long life, children, happiness. Okay, but the words of the wicked cause destruction. They're horace the city. Again, going back to Pechanef in verse 9, notice the chiasm. You started with Pechanef, you're now going to Pechanef. With this, the section that's devoted primarily to, you know, the outcomes of the right and wrong behavior sort of pauses, and the Mishnah is now going to get into a, a discussion of various forms of behavior that people should try to avoid. Pasareo has to mean someone who speaks and says something or does something to belittle his friend because if it was just in the heart, then the Ishtavuna would not really be much of a contrast. The point being, Ishtavuna, no matter how he feels, knows better than to speak. It could also mean when the Ishtavuna hears the buzz, he says nothing, like Rashi points out, Shaul HaMelech was nizzeb by the people who didn't think he was really going to become king. But Shaul, with his anava, vayahi kemacharish. This is in Shmuel Aleph 1027. I think it's perfectly legitimate to basically think when you read a verse in Mishlei about what situation elsewhere in Tanakh would fit this verse. This was actually the derech of most of the classical midrashim. Bereshit Rabbah, Vayikra Rabbah, Pesikta Rav Tana. The midrashah for the day would start with what was called the Pasuk Rachok, that came usually from Sifrei Met, And that Pasuk would begin the midrashah, which would then be worked down to the Pasuk Karav, which was the first Pasuk of whatever Torah reading was assigned for the day in the triennial cycle. 
So, Basrev Chasalev and Ishtavon Echarish fits the situation with Shalom Aleph, and there's absolutely no reason that you shouldn't want to think about that story when you read this verse. It's a very good way to remember it as well. Here comes a really important verse, Halech Rachil Megalet Sod, Veneman Ruach Mechasedavar. This is the opening to the entire halachot of Rechilut. Rechilut is not the same as Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara means saying something that is negative about a person, whether true or false. Rechilut means giving away information about a person that a person would not want to have publicized, even if it happens to be, at least in your eyes, complimentary to that person. For example, Let's take a person in the shul who happens to be in business but and has made for himself a man as a businessman. But he happens to have a PhD in biochemistry, whatever. But he does not want people to know that he has a PhD in biochemistry because he's presenting himself as a businessman. And he feels that if people knew that he was a PhD in biochemistry, they would think of him in a different way than they think of him now. You happen to know that this person has a PhD in biochemistry because you went to the same school he did or whatever, and then one day you drop in shul the information that, oh, you know so-and-so over there? He has a PhD in biochemistry. Now, that's in no way negative, but if the person does not want that known, then if you make it known, that's called Rechilus. Anybody who listens to you and spreads it further is even more. In other words, the idea of Rechilus is Magaleh so It's absolutely forbidden by the Torah. Lo telech Rechil b'yamecha. And it's one of the things that's listed in the Yachet. And for no answer to but something that we really have to avoid in order to make shalom in the community. People have things that they want to keep to themselves. And if you know somebody wants to keep it to themselves, and then you publicize it, then basically you've committed the sin of Rechila. So that's something people always have to keep in mind. Just because you know a secret doesn't mean you have to tell it to everybody. Next, we get some ideas in politics and government. That without sensible advice, without something that basically puts serious plans together, that will bring the downfall of the people. And more advisors you have, the better chances are of coming up with the right direction. Another Eitzah that you're going to hear initially a great deal is the idea of not co-signing loans. Mishlei has a thing about not co-signing loans, and at least five or six Tzukim in the Sefer are devoted to warning people away from doing that. Okay? You go ahead and do that. It's going to cause evil to you. It's going to cause an evil outcome to you, because you're going to have to pay the loan. So they took him, and a person who refuses is, does not want to get involved with Tokim, meaning shaking hands on a loan, Boteach is going to be a better off, a lot better off. 
Now, question comes up as to why is Mishlei so much against co-signing loans when that's about the only way a poor person can get a loan. And if we're always told in the Torah to be prepared to lend money to poor people, then why is Mishlei so much against co-signing? Answer, because when you ask for someone to co-sign, it means you really seriously intend that someone should pay back. Whereas when the Torah recommends you lend a poor person a loan, the assumption is that if you don't get the loan back, you're not going to really be all that upset about it. In other words, you're giving them a loan for their self-respect, not because... I spoke to my wife Brenda about verse 16, and her interpretation is that a woman of grace, a woman who has charm, and a woman who has chenedic, is going to be interested to hold on to honor, whereas Aritz, which is essentially a dictator, a person who's uh, only interested in power, only is interested in holding into wealth. Gomel show ish chesed means human beings have to basically take care of themselves, their bodies, and basically an ish chesed is a person who takes care of yourself. You know, does not mean mimeka. means take care of your physical health and a person, according to Hillel Hazakain, what that meant was to go to the bath, to wash yourself, to make sure your body's clean. And a person who is not kind to their relatives, a person, in other words, blood is thicker than water and people who are specifically, uh, you know, She'er means relationship, close relationship, literally meet. Okay, it's the Tanakh's way of saying blood is thicker than water. Rasha The Rasha, basically, the work that they do and the reward they get is all not a, a lie. Whereas Zarea Tzedakah, the person who sows, you know, righteousness ends up with the true reward. Uh, people should be aware of the fact that Zareya Tzedakah is the source of the phrase in the Shacharit prayer of, you know, Zareya Tzedakot in the, in the final bracha of Yotzir Hama Arot. That's where that phrase comes from. Hashkarash Baruchu, of course, is the epitome of Zareya Tzedakot. And Kain Tzedakah Lachayim doesn't mean thus. It's more like it can be relied upon, like Nachon or Aftikon Tevo. So too, righteousness can be relied upon to establish a life, and those who are pursuing wickedness essentially are going to end up with death. Remember at the beginning of the parak we talked about Mo's name Mirma Toavat Hashem? Well, crooked hearts are also Toavat Hashem. And those, and Ritzono, exactly the same antithetic parallelism in her in, in first pasuk, to Mime Derech, along the lines of Tehillim 119.1, the people who go ahead and basically keep a, a, a pure path. Those are the ones that Hashem wants. Yad liyad lo yinakera v'zera tzadikim nimlat. Most likely that means that uh, you can depend upon the fact that they who do evil will never be able to essentially be declared innocent of what they've done. But the only way you can escape is if you have some kind of direct relationship to a person who was righteous, most likely the offspring of the righteous. 
Yadis probably means um, shaking hands on something, dependable. And now I'm going to ask my wife again, my wife Brenda, Nezim Zahav Ba'av Chazir Isha Yafa Basaratam. And uh, the, the plain meaning of the text is obvious, but Chazal say in Pirkei Avot chapter 6 that Komisha Eino. Whoever basically just does mitzvah. Oh, did you want me? According to the Midrash Muel interpretation of Pirkei Avot, is Komisha Sekpatora, Enal Sekpatora, Barako Sekpamitzvot. Because you're not supposed to do mitzvah and not learn Torah along with them. It becomes essentially a, something that you're doing without understanding really why you're doing it or what it's all about. So that if you do it, you get the sachar, the mitzvah, but basically it's considered to be like Nezim Zahav B'Av Chazir. That's a strong statement, something to reflect upon. Ta'avat Sadikim Achtov Tikvat Rishaim Evra. What what the tzaddikim desire is only to do good. What the rishayim desire or tikvah hope for is evra, wrath, bad things. And now from 24th to the end of the parak discusses primarily the way people should handle um, their their resources. Yesh mifazer v'nosafod v'choseich miyosher achla machzor. There are people who basically are prepared to, so to speak, scatter or, you know, give generously, and they're going to end up with still more because Hashem is going to reward them. But a person who refuses to do the right thing ends up themselves losing. What this means is to invest in doing something right. Like, for example, to put a poor man on their feet. Nefesh bracha tedushan umarveh gamhu yore. The people who bring about blessing for other people will also themselves be overflowing. Deshed means the fat of the land. Umarveh, and again, the people who overflow, that means a cup is overflowing. This is like more of like fluids. He too will be rewarded with overflowing reward. Whereas the person who's Moneabar, the person who stops others from basically getting enough food to eat, this is probably a government we're talking about. The entire people will curse him. And the person who basically provides well, the government official, he is blessed. I'm sure this is a reference to Yosef, and the Midrash clearly understands this as a, re- as a reference to Yosef, who basically provides for the Egyptians in the time of famine. Trocher tov yivakesh ratzon v'doresh ra'ah tuvo enu. Some sukim, you have to reverse the order of the words, especially in one half of it, in order to get straight what the real meaning is. And we're going to show that this happens in other mishalim as well. I think the force of this mashal is 
a person who wants to be mevakesh ratzon is shochetov. The one a person who wants to please Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to always look out. Shocher comes from like shacharit. Get up in the morning, try to do immediately the best thing that they possibly can do. But a doresh ra'ah to voenu. The person who goes after that is wickedness is going to get that. You come to them as well. Boteach ba'ashro hu yipol. A person who trusts and depends upon their wealth and not in Hashem will eventually have the wealth be their downfall. Some along the lines of Kohela saying, Osher Shamur Ba'alav Lura'atau. Uchaleh Tzadikim Yifrachu means like Tzadik Katama Yifrach. Like a leaf is going to eventually, you know, bloom out in the winter time. After the winter's over, so too does the tzaddik. Ocher beito yincharuach ve'eved evil lechacham lev. Ocher beito again is like ocher she'ero, which we had, you know, previously. That's the person who does not support her household properly and does not basically. Of them are properly fed and taken care of. That kind of a person, according to Rashi, is an utsail. And Here's an example of a synonymous proverb in a chapter that primarily has antithetic ones. The second half says pretty much the same as the first half. The fruit of the tzaddik is the tree of life, and the chacham brings, brings things back to life. in the Tanakh generally means to take away someone's life but here I think it means brings back to life by their wisdom. The tzaddik is his reward in this world, and so much so does the rasha. This is a kavachomer, okay? Hain and then afki. It's like hain b'nei Yisrael oshem v'olai b'eich yishmeini paro. Chapters in Metanach do not have any Jewish validity whatsoever. They did not exist at the time that Rashi and Rabbi Avram Ezra wrote their Perushim. There's no evidence of them either in the Keter Aram or in the Leningrad Codex. They were basically brought into the text and set up by the Archbishop Langdon's Committee in England in the 13th century. From there, they came into Jewish tradition during the Jewish-Christian polemics in Spain in the 14th and 15th century. They were not accepted as part of the citing chapter and verse type of approach until, you know, the end of the 15th century. 
And then they were finally introduced in the first printed editions of the Macaul Codolo. But you should understand that there's no reason whatsoever to stop now from a Bechina in Yanit. I think uh, the Archbishop decided to make most of the chapters in the Book of Mishlei to be um, around 30 verses because later on we're going to find a postal that says, Halo Shim. You know, and I think he took that to mean the right length for a chapter is approximately 30 verses. In EOV, the average length of a chapter is about 25 verses. In Tehillim, it's much less than that. And in Sefer Bration, it's much less than that. So, you know, unless there is a break in the text of a Petuchas, Duma, or a Seder from the, you know, Eretz Yisrael, triennial cycle type of reading that you know, are also in the Nevi'im and the Ketuvim. A break is not there from the Jewish tradition, and though we're going to conveniently arrange the system according to Perek, we have to understand that there's no real stop here. We're going to resume again immediately in Chapter 12.